got nothing. No, that's where all my jokes. Everyone, so. stay quiet. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to Tax Rated. <laughs> That's uh, the worst one yet. Um, we didn't get the Jessica Walters ice cubes. <laughs> I don't know if we were like not fancy enough or... We haven't mentioned Jessica Walter water or ice cubes, I think, since season one. Oh, okay. we're we, we were waiting to hear back from the producers on if we could afford ice for this episode. Because it was for... When we were only getting one, you know, guest, it was fine. But then, yeah, like, two, two, they were kind of, you know... Double the ice. It seems like kind you, of a big tall order. Suits are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so we do have guests today. Yes. Which is great. Um, we have the lovely crew from Gayish here to talk with us about movies. You guys want to introduce yeah. yourselves? I'm Kyle Getz. I'm Mike Johnson. Uh, we are friends and also uh, do a podcast together called Gayish, where we talk about gay stereotypes. Do a podcast together should be code for something, but it's not. <laughs> no, it's literally <laughs> do a podcast together. I've done a podcast. <laughs> 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 Well, cool. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, I hope you're ready well, and, uh, for this jelly. We, we should mention <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a this is a cross pollination effort too, right? Like, Indeed. Uh, you're, you're going, you guys are going to be on our podcast after this. Indeed. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we pass the test, yeah, we'll see how this well, goes. We're the ones that have to pass. Like, if, if, if it doesn't go well, you just be like, "All right, bye." <laughs> wow, look at the time. <laughs> like, 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 like a, tears later. Like a bad hookup. Oh gosh, we have a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the two of you are exes. Um, we are going to talk about exes on our podcast, and and then people can uh, hear a little bit more about your. I'm just, what I'm only assuming is a sordid history of yeah, love I mean, and hate it, and it, it was regular like Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, like <laughs> just jet setting to Puerto Vallarta to <laughs> escape our spouse. No, and there's still time. <laughs> did it end? Yeah, did it end the same way? Uh. Yeah, we were both in a production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? <laughs> uh, the dazzled uh, critics and audiences alike. We were actually in feuding uh, versions of it that were playing down the street from each other, both of us playing the Elizabeth Taylor role. Oh. Mine was a one-man production where I played all the roles. That's right. Came mixed reviews, as I remember. You were lucky enough to have Tilda Swinton playing Richard Burton. <laughs> it was our first collaboration. Uh, we've been meaning to get together again It just... Uh, my schedule's so busy, and it's just been it's been rough to get You're together. the holdout in yeah. this scenario, gotcha. I mean, it's like every other week she's contacting me. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I want to say, have your people call my people. Like, I wouldn't be able to say that someday, but I have no people. Yeah. Like, just you just give you. a car that, that has Kyle's <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I just do, like, a voice, like, hello, this is Frederica. Wow. Good. No, okay, I might not. Believable. Yeah, I might not do any voiceover work anytime soon. <laughs> so how did you two meet? Um, we met at the gay and lesbian, uh, organization at the company we both used to work for. And you came to pick me up because someone randomly was like, Hey, some dude is going to pick you up. And he was also like, I never told you this. He was like, also you should date him. He has big arms. <laughs> um, <laughs> cause that's my thing. Um, Great. that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. Eight years ago. Eight years ago. Wow. I was there the night he met his soon to be ex-husband. You were. Yeah. And then my ex-wife wanted to kill you because she saw pictures of me sitting next to you on the couch and thought you were who I was leaving her for. 
And I slept in your bed, not in a sexual way. Yeah, you, which... no, you passed out in my bed. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Sort of detail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like the plot of this. Yeah, so well, it's it's really anticlimactic because then, like, we're friends now. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. Yep. Yeah. With a podcast. With a podcast. It's true. It's, yeah, like it's a, almost it's... as good as benefits. It's basically <laughs> sex. Really. <laughs> friends with a podcast. <laughs> Is that code for something? <laughs> <laughs> In preparation for this, I opened the Wikipedia page to look at all the movies that, like, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch the movies that are going to be shown in the cellular oh, closet. Oh, and man. it was 50 million. Yeah. Of them. And it's like, uh, okay, it's I lot. take that back. But I did watch um, Some Like It Hot. Which oh, yeah. yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Classic Billy Wilder. It was, it was really good. It was surprisingly funny. Have you never seen it before? I had never seen it before. Um, I have to be honest, I don't watch as specific of movies as y'all tend to. Is that the nice way of saying it? Like, I don't know is a that, lot of the movies. Are you just trying to be diplomatic and you're trying yep. to say you guys watch weird movies? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I watched that one and I it was it, I loved it. It was really funny. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it since high school, but I remember even like back then, even when like black and white like yeah. and yeah even then i was like that's a really good movie that was super funny you just have to once you ignore the problematic idea of a dude dressing up as a lady to try to get a lady to hook up with him mm -hmm. like if you just brush past that part then it's really good yeah yeah, yeah. and i mean like tony curtis is kind of hot as a lady let's be honest <laughs> you tap that yeah he makes a hot lady oh. <laughs> do you require the dress would the removal of the wig and makeup be like a <laughs> libido killer? You know, it's hard to say. Keep it on, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I've been binge watching The Secret, trying to uh, unlock our potential. Oh, yeah. Are you wanting it enough? I Maybe not, I guess. Yeah, otherwise it'd be happening. <laughs> Want harder, Matt. Maybe you're the one who's not wanting as enough as should. Are we fighting on the podcast? <laughs> It is in front of our guests. In front of company. <laughs> That's why you brought the company over to be yeah. civil. <laughs> We're just going to put the vacuum cleaner on while we yeah. fight. So you can't hear us. <laughs> Matt, can I talk to you in the other room, please? <laughs> <laughs> decided to watch for this week is uh, The Celluloid Closet, which is a documentary about Hollywood's depiction of gay and lesbian characters from the beginning of film time to, mm, I'd say, about mid-80s. There was some, I think, from the early 90s. Like, I want to say Torch Song Trilogy was like 92, 93, and they, they show a clip from that. Okay. Early 90s, then, we'll say. Oh, and, yeah, maybe, because they had a... They did, like, a little montage at the end of early Yeah, because there was, like, a uh, The Living End was, like, one of the movies of right. the show. Maybe, that could have been late 80s, but... I think that's 91 or so. Okay. Philadelphia was early 90s. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah. So, yeah, true, you're right. But... Through early 90s, because the movie came... This documentary came out in 95, so... Okay. We'll just stay up to 95. How about yeah. that? Yeah. There you go. And, uh, there's a lot of movies on that list. Yeah, uh... So the, my one and only note is that I agree with Harvey Firestein, <laughs> but it was specifically referring to him saying that he was okay with the depiction of the sissy. Like, Matt, 
That's like my big question. Number oh. one. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> So, yeah, the, the the gay stereotype, especially in early cinema, was the sissy. And some people, some of the talking heads in the documentary were, like, not for it. Like, they didn't find it funny or amusing. But Harvey Feierstein's like, I like the sissy. Um, is it used in negative ways? Yeah, but my view has always been visibility at any cost. Um, I'd rather have negative than nothing. That's that's just my particular view, and also because I am a sissy. I'm on his side. Like, maybe it's because like I live in like this cloistered bubble and like safe, like you know, progressive Seattle. Yeah. But I still kind of find like the sissy characters actually amusing. Like, mm. I find like they're bitchy and they're shady, and I don't know. Like, it's not because they're gay, but they get like good lines and they get like funny dialogue out of it. Yeah. I disagree. <clears throat> I, so, yeah, he said, yeah, that it doesn't matter what the depiction is, he'd rather have visibility. And I completely agree, because I think, um, unlike other minorities being gay, you you don't have anywhere else... Like, it's not like you're learning it from your parents, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, other minorities can learn things about their culture from their family and friends, and that's not how being gay is. So mm-hmm. the media is really important to gay people, and I think the problem with the sissy like character is that there's no depth to them. It's like, we're going to take this scary thing and make it funny so that we don't have to talk about like, they're not sexual. They don't have relationships. They're just there to be a, the lapping stock of everyone mm-hmm. to counter that. Oh yeah. And they mentioned this, that this, the stereotype around the sissy was already so well defined that you see it in those early movies, even right. in mainstream movies. And the audiences already knew what it was. Like, this is something that, it's not like the movies invented, like, the trope of the sissy. Like, it already existed. But just because it already exists doesn't necessarily mean you need to broadcast. Like, by then portraying that, you're getting the exposure out to so many more gay and lesbian Mm -hmm. kids that don't, well, I guess it was gay men. So, gay, like, kids, that that's what they're seeing, what being gay means, that there's something to be laughed at. I think that's a way, kind of, of disarming the fear that a lot of people have to see, like, male on-screen intimacy, you know, is to, like, is to, to laugh at it, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that the roots of it do come from seeing the sissy on-screen, you know? Like, if you can laugh at this person, then you don't have to be afraid of them. Um, do I like seeing them on-screen? I'm really torn, honestly, because, like, there's one that's in the movie that's really great. I can't, I can't remember what film it's from, but it's a guy shows up and she's like... Ernest, I'm so happy you were able to come. You must excuse my coming in my tongue clothes, but your chauffeur said there wasn't a moment to lose, so I came just as I... Oh, he's, he's got, like, like, he's got an ascot. <laughs> and that makes me laugh, and it's like, I actually kind of know people like that, you know? So it's it's like, this isn't actually an inaccurate depiction in some ways, too. Yeah. So, um, at the same time, I mean, it, it can be super offensive, too, you know? So, uh, I'm, I'm of two minds on it. And- so- Oh, go ahead. I, I, I think at the end of the day, movies are a business, right? And they're all about making money. And if you have a sissy character come on, you don't have to do the box office killing thing of having them say, hey, I'm super gay. Watch me make out with this dude. They're just instantly pegged as gay. And then you have a gay character and you don't have to do background. You don't have to do yeah. any setup. Right. Because being gay isn't something you can see. We're, we're not a visible minority mm-hmm. unless... 
you, you have some of those really deep stereotypes, like right. the way that you dress, the way that you talk, the way that you walk, the way that you move. Um, so I think that it's a it's a it's a lazy shorthand for let's put a gay person in here without having to explain that they are actually gay and here's why and here's what they do in the bedroom, blah blah blah. Totally, and um, it's an easy and it's an easy joke. At least it used to be a real easy like punchline. So and I think one thing that why we don't like it today is because we sort of automatically assume that people have always had this negative have had negative feelings toward homosexuality. But years and years ago, I was trying to come up, uh, I was writing a, a, like a, a faux porn for Hump, the amateur porn film festival, and we were going to do like an old-timey one, like porn from like the 1900s. So we actually went and got a bunch of porn, like from the turn of the century, to like do some research, <laughs> and that shit is nasty. Uh, like, A, they didn't shave like anything, so there's just like pubes and armpit hair, and ladies didn't shave their legs, and... Yeah, it's, like, all sorts of stuff. But also, a lot of it was bisexual. Like, there'd be, like, a guy and a lady doing it, and then, like, another guy would show up and start having sex with the guy. And it wasn't seen as, like, at least, you know, watching it, it didn't look like it was being transgressive or edgy. It was like, this is just, like, what happened? Like, guy walked <clears throat> in, you know, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think, like, we think of it, like, sissy's a negative stereotype, but maybe back then it was just an easy character identifier and like it might have been for laughs but you know most of those movies were comedies anyway like you know we're meant to laugh at you know most of the people on the screen at those times i guess i what i would like what i want to see even today is a range of characters not just one type and maybe that's part of the problem for me too mm, is when totally. you introduce them as this is what a gay person is it's this sissy character and that's all that gay people got um then it, then you don't get to see that, you know, there there were tons of films about straight white dudes and they got to see lots of different ways that they exist in the world and personalities and challenges and when, but if you're gay, you, you know, do hair and makeup or you, you know, run the behind the scenes of a drag yeah. show. Like, yeah. and that's all you are. That is part of the problem to me too. And I think the point too is like, when they put these characters in, it's like, you're not supposed to identify with this, this person, you know, like they're not, they're not supposed to be a character. They're supposed to be so one dimensional that you don't see like, Oh, that's me up on screen. You know, yeah. you don't even think of it that way. Yeah. Which would be very frustrating to be a gay person. And only seeing that. I don't know. I, I also kind of feel like, especially for the early films, it's a lot to like ask of them to be sort of, uh, socially just. Oh, totally. <laughs> like in like 1910, like, I feel like that was a lot to ask of the the movie producers at the time to right. have well-rounded stereotypes. Shoot, even into the 80s, or 90s even, right? And they got more sensitive, but you look at the base sort of I, vulgar comedy and... The, I'll that... watch Modern Family and be like, come on, Cam. Yeah. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I didn't know until watching this film about how, you know, the religious aspect influenced the rating system yeah. and mm -hmm. that influenced what was able oh. to be shown on screen. So I, I took a picture of all the things the Hayes Code uh, <laughs> wouldn't let you show. And it's, God, it's like, it's what like movie would there be? Everything good. Yeah. <laughs> so restricted, open mouthed kissing, <laughs> lustful embraces. Sex perversion, seduction. Seduction? 
rape, abortion, prostitution, and white slavery. I thought that was weird. Like, does yeah. that imply that other types of slavery are fine to show? Yeah, yeah, maybe because they can say that, like, oh, it's historical. Yeah, whatever. if it was, like, a period piece. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Nudity, obscenity, and profanity, which is, like, I'm not entirely sure. Obscenity is, is a pretty broad category. Like, I think they just kind of throw that in there to be like, well, and then anything else we feel like editing. Yeah. You know? So it's sort of like the Hayes Code comes in and then people are, are have to be clever about how they make their movies after that, you know? I don't know if you guys ever saw Trumbo. Anybody here see Trumbo? I didn't see that Trumbo. Trumbo. It's about uh, Brian Cranston plays the writer Dalton Trumbo, who was who uh, got blacklisted during the Hayes stuff. And so he was like, he, he was making all these movies. He actually won two Academy Awards for screenwriting that he uh, wrote under a pseudonym. I don't know. I, I don't really have a point to this other than like, it's a movie about that part in, in history. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so they get clever about it, which is... Uh, yeah, because like, I've seen the Maltese Falcon and like Peter Lorre's character like filleting the cane. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It did not register with, like it. I definitely knew that like he was strange, but I just kind of thought like he was, I don't know, someone who was like from the underbelly of society, which I mean he kind of was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like once they point out like what he's doing with that cane when he like meets uh, Sam Spade in the detective office, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah. it's it's like I also didn't know that Gardenia was a perfume, so. <laughs> <laughs> that that little hint did not help me. It's kind of a cool shot because it's actually there's like you see him when it's face on Peter Lorre and then it like cuts behind him and then the angle that he's got the cane it looks like the dick is coming out of Humphrey Bogart a little bit. Oh yeah. It's clever. Yeah. They got to work around it somehow. Even though I don't like the idea of like, you know, all the things you can show, I it is kind of fun that like you have to be creative about how you show uh, like gay stuff in yeah. movies, and and I actually think what I've heard on y'all's podcast is sometimes you're like, was this kind of homoerotic? Like, was this? <laughs> and I I feel like we've probably been trained to look for those cues because yeah, from this history of like, it's not to be spoken, so you have to find ways to hint at it. So then we as gay people know, oh okay, you're not going to talk about it. So let me look for those cues. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think it's because I also look for those cues in people that I'm talking to normally. Uh, <laughs> so. Well, there was that writer, I forget what her name was, but she was saying that gay people will watch a whole movie just for the one outfit that that person wears that oh, signals yeah. that they're a gay person. That we're, right. we're thirsty for seeing ourselves on screen and there are these underhanded sort of creative ways that we can clue each other in without the mainstream audience even having the first idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I, cause we talked about this a little bit when we did the, the American astronaut is like, first time I saw it, it's like, a, came across to me as a super gay, super, super gay movie. And then I actually watched it with the director in attendance and I had a Q and a with him. And like, he didn't seem to have any idea that you could interpret it that way. <laughs> and, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just interesting to see like, uh, as a gay man looking at, movie on screen it's like i can be looking i can see things that you can't (laughs) do you do either of you have have movies that you like identified with on screen or characters even just tv show characters scorpion king (laughs) (laughs) with a rock because you like big arms (laughs) that was two leaps there (laughs) 
don't we don't need to get into the rocks <laughs> acting history because <laughs> i don't know um the very first movie i saw in the theaters was the lion king oh, okay. um and then i listened to the cassette tape of the lion king all the time in my room and you know elton john singing to me so like that's pretty gay like but in a dir- indirect way yeah, yeah. so that that's the best i can i mean of. the lion king is also a good example i don't know how much they touched upon this in the documentary but a lot of the disney villains are always sort of the fey yeah. like gay like so like there's mm-hmm. uh uh scar in uh, Lion King, Ursula is kind of can read lesbian pretty well, easily. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, she's modeled after Divine. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, they talk. I mean, they get on that a little bit here, where it's like once um, they couldn't depict, uh, or once the Hays Code came in, they started to depict uh, homosexuals as just like the villain, basically. Yeah. So it's and they almost always died. Like, yeah. you, you, you die a lot in Hollywood movies if you're gay. By now, the pattern was clear. Characters of questionable sexuality would meet with a nasty end in the last reel. That montage of all the times gay people got shot or stabbed or killed. Like, suicide. I got suicide crushed by a crowd. Yeah, oh, yeah like Frankenstein. Um, oh, like I, suddenly last summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got chills during that part. Like, that was... Yeah, I, I did. That was a, yeah, that was one of my big takeaways the first time I saw this this documentary was that it was like then I started seeing it everywhere. Every time you see gay characters, like, well, somebody's gonna die now, and it happens so much more. Like still today, yeah. modern movies, you know, like if hmm. it's a gay character, they either get hurt or they die. It happens more than you think. Now, now you're gonna see it everywhere. Wow. Uh, the first time I watched this, which was years and years ago now. I went out and watched a bunch of the movies that they showed in the documentary, and suddenly Last Summer was one of them, and the movie's really kind of boring up until that last scene, and then it's this harrowing journey, but uh, the, the they also mentioned one, The Children's Hour, with Shirley MacLaine right. and Audrey Hepburn. The movie as a whole is really solid. Like, of, like, the movies in this, that's, like, one that I would actually, like, recommend to go see. That was, uh, when they were talking about that movie, there's a point that Susie Bright brings up that, like... She, she talks about how it's like... And there's part of me, despite all my little signs, you know, like, happy, proud, well-adjusted, bisexual, queer, kinky, you know, no matter how many posters I hold up saying, I'm a big pervert and I'm so happy about it, there's this part of me that's like, how could I be this way? The first time I saw this was maybe uh, a couple of years after this documentary came out, maybe like five or six years, and really relating to that point... And then now, I don't know, 20 years, 15, 20 years on, I don't relate to that as much. And I feel like that comes from getting older and becoming more well-adjusted, maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely getting more comfortable in your own skin uh-huh. about it. Like, And I wonder, if, but, but I wonder if that would still be the case today. It's probably an intersection of all of these things that we're talking about, but, but don't discount just how crazy liberal bubble Seattle is. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. we, have, we have so few reasons to question who we are, how we present, just because of the climate here. Right. I, I, I feel pretty certain that back home where I grew up in eastern Washington, red, red, red country, yeah. that there are people who still, even at 40, are faced with this... Sure. Pretty significant internalized homophobia that they have to deal with, and, and maybe we'll never get completely over it. Sure. That leads me to big question number two. Okay. How much of 
a responsibility does Hollywood have to depict? This is such a loaded question. I know! <laughs> that's why I want to ask it. <sighs> so it's like, does that mean that Hollywood has a big responsibility to like kind of help rectify this self-loathing? I have a libertarian streak through me, so no. Like... <laughs> I don't feel that it's necessarily, like, the, a business's, it's show business, like, I know that we all equate it with art, but it's still a business, mm-hmm. and I don't feel that it should be a business's, like, responsibility, like, at the forefront to do this. Now, I know that's an unpopular thing to say, <laughs> uh, and I'm always happy when businesses do get on the bandwagon, you know, like, Target's gonna have, like, their pride stuff up here soon, you know, City Target down there. And, like, I'm very glad when I see stuff like that, but I don't feel like it's their responsibility to do that. Come on, throw your feet out. I'm like, no, 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 no. I I get what you're saying. Like, Kyle also loves businesses. It's it's weird because my, like, day job, I mean, when I work, I'm unemployed right now, but when I do, is marketing. So Mm. I, like, yeah, I very much get the, like, business standpoint, but right now... Since I don't have a job, I get to just just be an artiste and only have artiste views. And yeah, uh, yeah. I also don't think Hollywood right now is the place to go for real authentic stories. I think finding places. What's important is finding places and finding voices that speak authentic stories and tell those stories is is really important. And I think that may not make you a lot of money right now, and it's independent film or you know small networks or whatever, but. That, that's what I think is important. That's where gay people then can tell their own story. I will say I feel like it should be like more of the artist's prerogative right. to tackle these issues, taboos and whatnot. Not necessarily the business end, but the creative end. Well, I think then when, if you are gay and get to, you know, become someone fancy or someone important, then you should be seeking out those stories. And that so that's where I think the responsibility is on. Like once you kind of crack into the into the, you know, white exec, you know, straight exec male dominated culture, Mm -hmm. trying to find more people like you that you can pull up and help identify because probably the other people are just looking for things that match the stories they know and care about. So that's what I think the responsibility is. I think it's on gay people to help out other gay people. So the movie Philadelphia, which I haven't seen in years and years and years and years, but when I, like, was watching the clips of it now, I was, you know, sort of shocked. I was like, wow, this is sort of a bold movie for 91 or 92, whenever Tom Hanks makes that point. Yeah, and I love... I I think Tom Hanks is a great actor who's been, like, typecast as, like, the super vanilla nice guy. Yeah. Uh, But, and he even sort of addresses it. He's like... My screen persona is pretty much non-threatening. I have never been one to uh, strike fear into anybody's hearts when I enter the room or, or you know, first appear on screen. Um, and because of it then, this idea of a gay man with AIDS is not scary. It's something else, but it doesn't have to be scary. You don't have to be threatened by this man's presence in it. Part of it because little little Tommy Hanks is playing playing the role. I loved that self awareness that he yeah. had about who he is yeah. as an actor and his what brand. his role is, and he was like, totally. "That's why they picked me, yeah. so you could be, you know, understand me and feel sorry for me." Um, and then the screenwriter was talking about how if if this movie only reached people who were already on their side, it would be a failure. That he wanted this movie to reach people who normally wouldn't see a movie 
about someone uh, living with AIDS mm-hmm. and was hoping to, to change their mind. Well, there's this... Movies reflect the culture, right? Mm-hmm. And they can push the culture. I don't think it's their responsibility to push the culture. Um, but they always end up sort of doing it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like... Uh, I mean, you kind of have to figure out like the right time and place. Like if... Brokeback Mountain came out 15 years earlier. Would anyone have watched it? Right. Like, it was sort of that it, it found it, like, at that exact, like, right after Queer Eye for the Straight Guy had, like, made it big on Bravo. Yeah. yeah. And, but, and, and, and Ang Lee said, when he made that movie, very similar things that you just said about Philadelphia. He okay. wanted he wanted people to go see a movie and, and be able to relate to it as an authentic romantic experience and wanted to reach people who had never seen gay people on screen before. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I think, how long ago was Brokeback Mountain? I mean, Nine, 2005. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was shortly after high now. school. So 10, 10 years after this documentary, because it, yeah. it would for sure have been in there. Had, yeah. Had, had, yeah. Had they, had they totally. done it. Uh, you know, or, or, You're or, nudging or, up to big question number oh, six. I'm sorry. Something. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it Jake Gyllenhaal versus Heath Ledger? Is that what we're going to debate now? <laughs> so qu- question two, is it their responsibility? No. Next question. <laughs> but that solves that. So maybe already on your questions list, but but to that point, this was 1995. What has happened since then? Like, yeah, what that's the what, question? Yeah, what would if this movie were made today? What else would be con, uh, What else would be on this list? What gains have we made? Um, where are we still lacking? Um, I don't know. I mean, Brokeback Mountain, obviously, we just touched yeah, on that. Yeah, it's a milestone. It would definitely be in there. Um, yeah. I would say Moonlight is another big one that ha- would have to be addressed because it's the first Academy Award winning Best Picture winner. That. I feel like the worst gay ever. Well, but I am exactly the same. I started watching it, and like you could tell... I mean, I knew it was serious, but then in the first five minutes, I was like... I can't do this right now. Like, <laughs> you know, you need to be in the right headspace to watch it's that really movie. It's really good, guys. It's really good. Um... It actually, it brought, I was thinking about this today, like, Moonlight is an interesting choice for the first winner of Academy Award for Best Picture for a gay character because he's also black, right? And there's a part in this documentary where there's that guy talking, who's like, audiences are more willing to accept a gay black character than they are a white one for whatever reasons, like, as long as it's like, oh, it's a minority still, like, we're, we're okay, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's like a certain amount of comfort in that, I think. It's like, if, if you have it removed one more time, like, yes, they're gay, but then, the, oh, they're also black. It's like, it's far enough away that they don't start Yeah, it probably doesn't feel like it's hitting home, maybe, to, yeah. to the standard moviegoer. Which is interesting, because then, like, you know, Brokeback Mountain, everyone was like, this should have been Best Picture. But it's like, maybe it's because they were white, people weren't ready to vote for that? I don't know. Well, and Moonlight was just last year. Right. So, we may have just come that far in ten years, also. But then the the flub of the mistake with Warren Beatty announcing that they won and then had to take it back and then said it was Moonlight. I forget who he said had won. Uh, La 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 Land. La 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 Land. Land. Yeah, he said La La Land. Yeah, because he also read the name off of it. But there were all of these conspiracies about whether that was a legitimate mistake, whether they were trying to make the flub the headline instead of the oh Hollywood's gone off the rails oh, like so that all Red America could be distracted by the flub instead of the fact that this really really gay 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 movie got 
Best picture. Mm. I wanted La La Land to win, not because I liked it that much, but because I like feeling indignant. And I thought <laughs> that if Moonlight lost, yeah, no. then I could continue to really be indignant. Yeah, but now I guess I just have to accept being gay. And yeah, righteous indignation is a lot of fun. Oh my god, it's great. <laughs> like, I can see why all my friends just default to that. <laughs> uh, a Single Man. Oh, sure. definitely. I definitely. really like that movie. Yeah, Single Although... Man's one of my favorites. Doesn't he die at the end? Yes. Well, spoiler alert, that <laughs> kind of rubs me the wrong way, based on like the, a lot of the things that happen in this but, documentary. So to be fair, though, is, I mean, it doesn't totally redeem it, but it's the whole movie he's planning on committing suicide that day, uh-huh. and at the end he decides not to, but then has like a stroke. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> We've made it gay people. You don't have to kill yourselves, you just have to die naturally. So maybe yeah. we need like our own Bechdel test. There is, is one. It's the Vito Russell test. Okay. He's actually the guy who wrote the book, The Celluloid Closet. Oh. And uh, who this, you know, documentary is like his work is based on. Um, he was actually one of the founding members of GLAAD as well. <laughs> so he's like, he's a big name um, queer. <laughs> High powered queer. Great. <laughs> And I don't. I feel pretty strongly that it has to be gay guys because I think that the barrier to entry is higher for them than it is for lesbians. That audiences seem more prepared for lesbian relationships than gay men. Still, I also that was a part of, that they talked about in the documentary. And I, like, I also think though for women, it's harder. Everyone is, because everyone assumes they're experimenting. It's harder to show a relationship that really, like, no, 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 we're not just messing around. Waiting for a man to show up and and change his back. Which I think is what Homegirl, your fave, said. Yeah, Um, actually, it's Susan Sarandon who brings that up. Oh, she was... I loved her so much. Baller on this. I loved her. Um, But yeah, I think it's hard to be like, no, 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 this is a real relationship, and it's authentic, and it's between us, just the two of us. Women. I, I forget what movie it was, but uh, there's full on Susan Sarandon boob as yeah, a lesbian. The Hunger. The Hunger, which is a great film. Such a good movie. It's David Bowie and Catherine Newb. They're both vampires, and for some reason he starts aging again. So she puts him in a coffin and locks him away in her attic, and then she goes after Susan Sarandon, like halfway into the movie. And um, spoiler alert, they do fall in love, and there's that beautiful scene with the Lacme duet playing in the background. Yeah. But Susan Sarandon kills Catherine Deneuve by the end of the movie. So it's like, we lose another one. <laughs> she, Catherine Deneuve's bisexual, though, so... I'm, it's a broad tent, you know? I mean, we don't even know if Susan Sarandon's bi or lesbian or what, or if she was just entranced by Catherine Deneuve's... Yeah, well, that's what she says in this documentary, is that, that like... They wanted her to be drunk, and so like it took away oh, her choice. Yeah, but she said no. I want to. I want her to be sober. Cause... Certainly, you know, you wouldn't have to get drunk to bed, Catherine Deneuve. I don't care what your, you know, sexual history to that point had been, and that it was much more interesting if she went voluntarily. I loved that that part where she and she was like, I want to make the like the character should make the decision to yeah. do this thing, like not have it just happen to her, which is like great writing to yeah uh, why is susan Sarandon doing the writing like shouldn't the writer have thought about this but like yeah yeah, like yeah yeah, you you want your characters to make a decision and make choices that affect things not totally and i remember the first time seeing that movie the hunger being shocked and a little weirded out that that scene was happening i was like oh wait so she's bisexual or something and then like 
thinking about that specific scene a lot. Yeah. And so that's good. Like, you should want to have the movie stick with you afterwards <laughs> for a while. I, I mean, I love The Hunger... It's a great movie, just in terms of, like, the technical, you know, definition of a film. Like, it's very good. But it also, because Catherine Neuve's character, like, they really depict sexuality as, like, a spectrum in mm. that movie. Yeah. And, but they don't necessarily draw attention to it. It's not like... She likes guys and girls. It's like it's no basic instinct in that, <laughs> <laughs> in that realm. Um, but it, it they just do it very naturally without drawing too much attention to it. So. Yeah. Uh, Good job, Tony Scott. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> um, and R.I.P. Jonathan Demme. We were talking about Philadelphia. Okay, so yeah, that's something I wanted to bring up about this documentary is that there's two movies that are super important that they talk about. They talk about Boys in the Band and they talk about Cruising. Both of which are directed by William Friedkin. From The Exorcist. Nowhere to be seen in this documentary. And then they also do, um, they, they show a little bit of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And then they do Philadelphia, both of which are directed by Jonathan Demme. Nowhere no to be seen in this. Yeah. And it really makes me, I would like to have gotten some... Especially because with Silence of the Lambs, like, I love that movie. It does not depict gay people very well. <laughs> That's the whole reason he made Philadelphia. Oh, was Because, it? yeah, he, he got all this backlash about, like... Oh, you you depicted gay people as like serial killers and like da da da, da and like they look horrible in film. He's like, well, yeah, it's I'm gonna try and make a film where they're not. And then then he made Philadelphia. Like that's the next movie. So and we don't get that in this documentary. So I wonder, just shooting from the hip, reasons that might have been. Uh, they were looking for funding, looking for funding, looking for funding, and then finally HBO ponied up the last little bit of cash oh, that needed totally to get possible. this project off the ground. For which movie? For the, the for the documentary, oh, Cellular oh, okay, Closet. Okay. And from the time that they were funded until they started shooting, it, I think was a pretty short amount of time. Mm. And there were lots of people who were still working. They had like full schedules and they couldn't they couldn't maybe uh, be on on screen for the documentary because mm. they were What was William Friedkin doing in the mid nineties though? Oh. <laughs> uh Blue chips. <laughs> uh, I don't know other things. He was too. not too busy for this documentary. <laughs> and then the, the, the other the other thought I had is maybe something contractual, right? Yeah, yeah it, it was possible. an HBO project. Maybe some I, big wig at HBO just hates his fucking guts and said no. Yeah, yeah I know. Possible. Like uh, Al Pacino was like asked in an interview about cruising because it was like such a controversial. I mean, when you watch it now, it's still pretty racy. Um, I didn't know Al Pacino like. Did that? Yeah. yeah. The premise of cruising is that uh, people who frequent these like S and M gay leather bars, they're taking someone home and they're getting killed in their homes. And so Al Pacino, like, starts infiltrating this like seedy underbelly of these like S and M clubs. And like, the movie was heavily edited because I guess William Friedkin like was not afraid to like show basically unsimulated sex. Uh, but it's, like, while Al Pacino's in there, like, you see people, like, in slings while, like, other people are, like, greasing up their hands, and... <laughs> when when that part of the documentary came on, I was like, oh, great, like, we're not sisters anymore, now it's just sex. Like, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it went from these non-sexualized jokes to, oh, now we're people that only have the weirdest kinkiest sex. Well, when we're talking about why it's easier to have, like, a lesbian on screen, like, why we are easier to accept that, I think it's because there's not the the deviancy associated with lesbians as there is with gay men. Like, with gay men, it's like, not only do we have, like, the Tom of Finland's, like, leather sort of 
image. But, uh, Go ahead. <laughs> uh, but it's like we also get just like pedophilia in there, and so there's just baggage attached to like gay men where lesbians don't have that as much. Yeah, yeah. I blame the patriarchy in general. <laughs> it's like you're seeing it's not seen as a, as as weakness as much in women, you know. Whereas men showing tenderness is all of a sudden a sign of weakness and it needs to be destroyed. You know, like, that's the reaction that people tend to have for some reason. Also in the leather bars and cruising, every single guy looks like Freddie Mercury. That was 1970-whatever. Like 79, I think. 80, yeah. 80 is what they 80, said. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think everybody looked, looked like, like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like same haircut, same mustache, same, yeah. Mm-hmm. But so, it, there's a, there's that saying, um, it, I, I forget if it's apocryphal or if he actually said it, that, that, that Gandhi said, uh, first they ignore us, then they laugh at us, then they hate us then we win. Yeah. And I, I felt like this documentary really sort of showed those phases for gay people. Yeah. yeah. And, um, cause it goes, they, they say this, that's like the first line is that, uh, Lily Tomlin, by the way, we didn't mention is the narrator, which yeah. is great. Uh, she says in a hundred years of movies, homosexuality has only rarely been depicted on the screen. When it did appear, it was there as something to laugh at. Or something to pity. Or even something to fear. So, uh, movies since 95 that they would have talked about, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. And I think that passes oh. the test. Yeah, Steve Carell's gay. But right. he's not, like, I guess he's not super defined by it, like... He also wants to commit suicide, or he try to. Want, but he does not. He doesn't. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. We survive! <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I don't remember that movie well enough to, to speak to that. Uh, Weekend would be in there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Did you guys watch Weekend or Looking? I Looking watched him. both. Yeah, same director, same style. He he try, he really tries to like normalize to the point of being dull. <laughs> That's my opinion. I really liked Weekend. I did not like Looking. I'm the opposite. Uh, oh. I really liked Looking, but Weekend I was like... I wanted someone to die at the end of that movie. I was like, let's do something here. Oh, wow. Okay. All of the X-Men films and their sort of... Yeah. Oh, man. Reference the first to two Brian Singer ones. Yeah. yeah, those are great. Uh, I read, That's another good example of... I went and saw X2 with a straight guy. And then afterwards, I was elated. I was so excited about the movie. Like, oh, my God. It's, like, it's so well, like subtexted but it's totally there and then like I explained it all to him and he's like I didn't see that at all I mean the it's X-Men like, movie or I mean the premise of the original comic book was supposed to be people who generally did, like did not feel that they belonged in society yeah and, and I think Brian and Singer, Brian Singer is super gay balls uh, <laughs> super gay balls yeah <laughs> Uh, so I think he like worked that into it. Like he acknowledged that subtext yeah. of the source material and it works so well in those two movies yeah good point he hasn't done a big gay movie, though, has he? Not explicitly. Yeah, he did Apt Pupil, where <laughs> Brad Renfro is, like, shirtless for a lot of it. Yeah. R.I.P. He did the same day as Heath Ledger. Oh. Yeah, he got overshadowed. Overshadowed. <laughs> uh, but Ian McKellen's in that one, too. That's right. Oh, this is a great segue. I have one last big question. 
they talk a little bit during the movie um, Making Love, which I haven't seen. Have you seen that? No, I hadn't, like... It's been on my radar for ages, but it's definitely a back burner one because it looks really super dull. Anyway, that the actor that plays the gay character, Harry, Harry Hamlin, he's talking about how he has that internalized homophobia, even though he's played a gay character, of, like, seeing yeah. someone perform a gay role, you can't help but question their own sexuality. And so that brings me to the big question, which is, like, how much does an actor's actual sexual identity uh, distract you from them playing roles? I don't know. I every I watch probably Angels in America once every year. Okay. But the people who play gay in that are so convincing. Because, like I was saying earlier, how, like, I watch Modern Family, and I'm like, Cam is, like, overkill. Yeah. Like, he's too far gone. And the people playing gay in this movie are straight in real life, but they get that, like, sort of femme, sort of fae, but that's not, like, everything about their acting. Like, it's done just right. And, like, I'll just see them, like, be flirty and, like, with each other, and I'm like, that is how gay people flirt. But, like, is it ever dis- is it ever distracting? I mean, like, people always warn gay actors, like, you can't come out, like, it'll kill your career, and right. it's like, does Rupert that... Everett. Yeah, yeah. Chris Pine. <laughs> it'll happen someday we'll all celebrate um but like i don't know that's i think it's kind of a valid question because if it's like if that's the only thing you can fixate on while watching these people then like they can't do their job you know i feel like that i mean do you would say you would need to then say the same thing about anything else that is very notable so like can we see ben affleck in anything just because everyone knows who he is and like can we watch jayla no we can't watch J-Lo in anything. That's just <laughs> terrible. But, like, you know, like, but can you watch anyone that's had any kind of media notoriety for anything about them? You is know, it, you you, sh- you should have to ask the same question. Well, we were talking about, like, Casey Affleck. Like, I don't know what exactly his charges right. are, but is he just, like, now we can't, like, separate Casey Affleck from... It's some sort of abuse charge. Sexual abuse charges. Yeah. Yeah, but I think you if if you're asking that question about gay, then you have to ask that about other things that could take the audience away. And I don't think anyone asked those questions yeah. about anything else but gay. And I think that doesn't mean it's not a valid question, it just is a sign of what our society cares about and chooses to fixate on. Which sure. sucks that like crime allegations are more acceptable as an actor than they're gay. Yeah. Is this a good time to yell at y'all about something? Yes. Yeah. I feel like I need to just, like, maybe not lodge a complaint. Maybe that's a little bit too strong, but just... Mm. Who is your customer service department? <laughs> can I speak to She's the producers? Right here. Hello? This is Helen in customer service. Can I help you? I feel like whenever y'all talk about the person, the creative force behind a movie, you always mention the director. Yeah, mm. I am aware of this. Okay. As a writer, as someone who does like is does screenwriting, I mean, to, like I'm trying, I'm learning about. It. I have a screenwriting group and everything. I like, you're like, oh, I wonder what director made the choice to do this, and and then that's when I yell. It was like, it was a screenwriter. <laughs> they wrote it. Uh, that's a valid complaint. We we do focus on auteur theory, yeah, for the most part. We, I mean, I mean I, yeah, and I definitely know that like the director is not the sole driving creative force in a movie, but I think it's especially because we try and focus on the visual element so much. But yeah, no, I mean, 
Other than that. We kind of pick auteurs a lot, too. We pick, like, writer. People who, like, it's their yeah. baby. Like, they wrote it, they directed it. They and made... I, I think it was the one about the, the like, fun one about the school bus crash. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. oh sweet character. But, yeah. but it was... The fun one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, he wrote it and directed it, but what you talked about was the directing part. Yeah. It was like, oh, oh I wonder yeah. what director would pick this book to do it. It was like, well, the screenwriter was the kind of the one that picked yeah, it. Yeah, that wrote part of so, Good point. that's the... Well, and a, a hands-on producer can make all kinds yeah. of... Yeah, I get that, right you know, it. it's a variety of people depending on the project, and yeah, a producer or a director could spe- actually spirit it, but in general. Yeah. I mean, screenwriter, cinematographer, and director, I think, are like the three big creative forces in any film project. And Followed Susan Sarandon. Gaffer. <laughs> yeah, and Susan Sarandon. Uh, so we talked about cruising, but Boys in the Band, have either of you seen Boys in the Band? No, mm-hmm. and the, the documentary referenced it, and, and they spent uh, quite a bit of time yeah. on, it, on that It's an movie. important movie. It is, like, I, I don't throw that term around lightly, but, like, in terms of how gay people are depicted on screen, like, that is an important movie. And it's directed by the same guy who did Cruisin', mm-hmm. which they don't mention in... Cellular That's what closet. I mean. Like, why isn't he on this podcast or on this uh, documentary? My, my brain is trying to say 1970 for that. Is yeah, that right. That sounds but, about which right. seems super early. But judging from what they showed, to show gay men hanging out with each other in a sort of a camaraderie environment, they're having a the kiki. Big budget. <laughs> That's a big budget studio that put the money in, put up the money for that too. Isn't yeah, because he went. From making that to making the French Connection, mm-hmm. which he won like Best Picture for at the Academy Awards, but uh, and then The Exorcist. Yeah, Exorcist was I right. Think that's right next. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but when the I mean, there's a lot of self self loathing in Boys in the Band, like that all comes, and they show like the clip at the end. But it really you have to see the whole thing for it to make sense because i saw the documentary and then i saw boys in the band after it it was one of the movies that i watched like in the wake of seeing this and when you watch boys in the band like it's it's such like a big event and it was it was a play initially um and yeah it it really there's a bigness to it like there's a real emotional weight to that movie and it's it's so sympathetic there's that scene that they showed in the documentary of the the queen just ripping into ripping into him about his relationship yeah. with his identity. Yeah, and I wondered, have you guys seen I Am Michael? It's gay conversion therapy, is right? What the yeah, about yeah. It struck me as just that little snippet that they showed in the documentary of of of, of that that queen laying into that guy. Uh, it, I had the same sort of reaction that I did emotionally to some of the themes in I Am Michael. I Am Michael, I think, is directed by the people who did King Cobra. They realized that they were depicting uh, gays as not hot enough, so they needed to uh, <laughs> get needed to get some hotter gay stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I, the, that's another one, like, if, if either of you see any movies in the wake of this documentary, I would do Children's Hour and Boys in the Band. Well, uh... Do you have any more big questions? I like your big no, questions. No, I, I, I mean, the, the, the thing I want to say that I really like... I mean, I really like this documentary a lot. I think I've seen I it... I do, too. I've like, probably seen it six or seven times now. And oh, it's, wow. It's really framed okay. a lot of my thinking on how homosexuals are depicted. I didn't really realize it in how much it has until I watched it for this podcast. But it's really, like, you know, changed my thinking. Uh, but I, I noticed this time through... I think my favorite part about it is the very end when... Sh- uh, they're saying, like, 
I want to say it's Armistead Mopan who's making this point that if uh, Hollywood would just, uh, like, they'd be able to make us laugh and make us cry a lot more if they would just acknowledge the breadth of human experience and embrace the fact that there are all these different stories to tell and not just these, you know, well-worn ones that they keep telling that make money. (laughs) I think the evolution is that characters just happen to be gay and it, maybe we don't even talk about the fact that they're gay at all, and they just are, and that can be okay. Like, I want two gay characters where they don't talk about being gay. I want to see more movies where there's a gay character and that has nothing to do with it, they just happen to be. And that's how I think you normalize it, by, like, these people also just exist and have separate problems outside of being gay. <laughs> Okay, so I want to wrap this up just because we're getting a little long here. Uh, I have to real fast say what movie uh, we're going to watch next week. I already know. (laughs) Were you peeking? I had to look it up while you were sitting here. Okay, act surprised. Uh, You ready? Let's see. Let's see you guys. How about this? I'm going to say it. Let's see how well you guys tell me how well Matt is acting surprised. Yeah. All right. This week, for next week, I would like to watch the animated feature film... It's such a beautiful day. (laughs) (laughs) One out of five. (laughs) Come Um, back up. Three. Three. Not bad. Out of five? Yeah, she gets four out of ten between the two of us. (laughs) Sorry, Matt. (laughs) What I graduated high school with. (laughs) Other than uh, my anus is bleeding, I don't think I've ever seen a a Hertzfeld joint. Oh, you're ready to cry. Oh, really? Okay. You guys are welcome to watch that if you want. (laughs) I don't know. And we have three other movies that you gave us, too, so... So much homework. I know. Yeah. You didn't say that when we guest, <laughs> had a guest appearance on this podcast, it would be homework. <laughs> we try to downplay that. <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming on, guys. Thank thanks you for having us so much. If you're interested in hearing these guys talk about something other than movies, uh, uh, they're going to be guests on our podcast, Gayish, which you can find at gayishpodcast.com. Uh, we're on iTunes and the Google Play. Yeah. I'm on Scruff, but that's a different thing. <laughs> I haven't been able to find good podcasts on Scruff. I don't know. <laughs> if you look deep enough, you can find it. I was going to say, the audio tracks are <laughs> abstract. <laughs> um, so your episode will be up on uh, June 12th, yeah. which yeah. is the same day that this episode is going to be up. So stop what you're doing right now. I was going to say... And go tune into your iTunes uploaded right now. Yeah, (laughs) since you're listening to our episode, you don't need to hear us plug our junk, which is at X rated. At X rated movies, (laughs) everything Twitter, Facebook. Mm, We have a Patreon if you want to pay us for hot quality content. And uh, rate, review, subscribe, and iTunes. Hot X on X reviewing. Yes. (laughs) My my rentman.com account says the same thing. Hot, and you know what? Qu- the- hot quality content. <laughs> but you know the, uh, the the podcasts on that one are really terrible too. <laughs> so, just uh, stick with iTunes, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> I want everyone to know. Thanks again. Thanks again for Thank having you. us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, it was good to have you guys here. Yeah, it's great to have you guys. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. Bye.